House of Low is a sanctuary for finding connection to your truest essence. House of Low invites you to be the creator of your own life, embracing the unknown and accepting what the universe has in store for you. House of Low is a haven for abundance, beauty, connection, freedom, where your soul's yearning for more is met with the deep belief that there is enough on this earth for everyone to thrive. House of Low is a community that holds space for your next evolution. Even when your world is seemingly crumbling around you, you are unstoppable. House of Low guides you to your eternal spirit, allowing you to fully come home to yourself within yourself, holding all the new things that the universe will open up for you. House of Low is birthing a spiritual renaissance, setting the stage for your own personal rebirth through victory and wisdom. Enter into the House of Low and step into the flow of miracles, magic, and synchronicity. You're safe here. House of Low, a sanctuary for the soul. I'm Lo, your host, and it's an honor to share this space with you. Thank you for listening. Truly, it is time for us to activate heaven on earth. Welcome in. Okay, everybody just drop in for this episode today. I am so, so honored to finally have this incredible man on my podcast. And I really want everyone to drop in. We're going to go to the depths in this conversation and you're going to hear from someone who is incredibly wise and someone that I feel so honored and privileged to have been connected with. Please, please welcome to the House of Low podcast, William Griffin, who is an entrepreneur and who is guiding coaches right now to step into their greatness using a lot of the practices that we talk about here. Many of those coaches are integrating their own spiritual awareness in their own way and their own personal growth journey. And Will is doing such an incredible job guiding coaches who need their own guidance, right? Anybody who's coaching needs to continue to be coached. That's the whole process, right? Nobody is done learning. So please, please welcome Will. Thank you so much for being here, my dear friend. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very much excited about this conversation. Me too. I really want to start off by saying thank you for the way you choose to move through the world and live. Thank you for the messages that you put out there. And thank you for being open with your own growth and your own journey to help inspire other people. That is a very difficult thing to do. And not one, you know, a lot of people in this in this space, especially men, they're not as open about their own spiritual and personal growth journey. And I just want to really honor you for that and and being so open about that, because I know that is a challenge for all of us. So thank you for choosing. Thank you. Thank you so much. I yeah. appreciate you. And thank you as well. Thank you. I would love to hear, just give everybody a little bit of a background on you, anything you feel called to share about your story and what led you to this time in your life. Oh, wow. I feel like I'm in a therapy session now. Mm-hmm. Fasten your seatbelts. What should I say? Do you know what? I think I'm just going to share what comes up. There's so many, you know, right. 33 years of life. Let's see what happens. This is what's alive for me now. I think I've spent most of my life feeling like I don't fit in to a yeah. certain degree and feeling a little bit lost. And at the same time, always wanting and expecting 
something amazing and wonderful for my life. And, you know, so my earliest memories, obviously, are school. I, you know, I fitted in in school in the sense that I always had had friends, but um, I was never I was never academic. So I was always bottom of the class, bottom of the class, bottom of the class. Sure. And I, when I'm, in terms of like big moments that got me to where I am now, when I was 16, I was kicked out of um, my boarding school, which I'd been, been at since the age of eight. And that was a really huge life-changing occurrence to me because I suddenly realized, oh, wow, actually there are consequences for not trying and applying myself. Oh, okay, shit. Suddenly I'm not at this school with all my friends anymore. And I've got this whole new reality. And I'm, it was quite something. And uh, I was very fortunate. I moved to a couple of schools. I was very, very fortunate that I went to this one very, very random school in Bath, Somerset, England. And we, I was taught philosophy one-on-one. And that changed my life. I must say, I I cannot tell, I don't know what, who I would be if that hadn't have happened. And then really since then, since I was 16, 17, I've, I've, you know, for me, that the way that I look at philosophy, there's so many different ways of defining it. But for me, it was more, how should I live the good life or how should I live? And I started questioning things. And in that process of questioning things, it's kind of led me to where I am today. Yeah. <laughs> still lost, uh, still questioning, but I feel much more in control of my the direction that I'm in to a degree. I'll leave it at that. So powerful. Thank you for sharing that. It is these pivotal moments. And I just feel when I hear that story, it shows how we're guided one way or the other to where we're supposed to be, even when we're in resistance to it or we're so unaware. That's why I wanted today's tea to be on constantly going through rebirth and being reborn as a new you. Because I know we've privately spoken a lot about transformation and this concept of rebirth is being talked about a lot in the in the culture if you will and clearly more and more people are having let's call it spiritual awakenings they're awakening more to the truth of what we are which is an eternal being a soul having a human experience right and there's so much within that and there's still so much mystery. But I feel right now there are a lot of people that have been coming into more awareness and more growth with this whole foundation of love and light, but then they're reaching the darkness. And I feel like a lot of people are getting lost in that, right? And we're very uncomfortable with shedding old ways of being, shedding old versions of ourselves, because then it's this blank slate, which in I think sometimes sounds good, but then when you're living it, one, I myself have gone through so many phases where I have felt more lost than ever going through these rebirth processes. So I would love to hear from you, your perspective first and foremost on rebirth as a concept and in your own personal journey and the people that you coach, because I think that this is something that's happening, whether people put that term to it it's really part of the process of of life itself. And I think the time on earth that we're all here for. Thank you. Rebirth. Wow. That's a big one. You know, the first time I took rebirth seriously was when I found my way into the Hare Krishna community. Mm-hmm. I went from a very right-wing um, I appreciate you mean you don't mean spiritual rebirth necessarily. You mean more the ego death while while we're in this life. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I see the two and connected in a way. And the first, the first time I was um, 
yeah, with the Hare Krishnas. And I went from very right-wing Catholic background where there's one life, one chance, you know, mm-hmm. to get to heaven, to actually know we are constantly dying and being reborn. Yeah. And that's something that still stayed with me. For sure, for sure, for sure. I was actually thinking about it yesterday. In terms of my own life, my goodness, the amount of times I've died and been reborn. I'm just wondering if I have anything profound to say about it. I mean, I think the more, the more I just went through a very big one, actually, over the summer, yeah. where I went through this, this quite big trauma, actually. Mm-hmm. I had a, a little dog who was given to me by a friend to look after about three, four years ago. She's like a little chihuahua, Pomeranian thing. Yeah. And I was going to be looking after her for a week. Turned out that I became her daddy. And she was literally my baby. And the source that she was the, um, I poured so much love into her. Let's just put it that way. And she was like my daughter. She's a very magical, magical, magical little, little thing. Anyway, just one morning, a pit bull came out of nowhere and killed her and she died in my arms. It was literally like having the animal version of my daughter die. She was a part of me, you know. Yeah. She was my Instagram stories. Everybody kind of, it was just, it was a thing. It was like Batman and Robin. It was quite... That was very interesting to see how I dealt with that. It made me understand trauma on a whole nother level, actually. And it made me realize, actually, from our early childhood trauma, just how actually I I still, even though I've been working myself a lot, I still repress my emotions, which was very interesting to me. I actually thought to myself that I had grieved enough. I spent about four days grieving, you know, on and off, went away. And I was like, right, back to work. But actually, my central nervous system had other plans. And I really lost myself. I mean, really, really lost myself. Not to the extent where I was lying in bed depressed, but so it's very different. It would almost be more obvious. It was much more subtle than that. I was me. If you were to meet me in a coffee shop, you'd be like, oh, yeah, he's absolutely fine. But internally, a part of me had died and I didn't know who I was. And as a result, I I, I questioned whether I should be a coach. I stopped onboarding new clients. Yeah. I just served the kind of clients I had. I questioned every, I mean, everything. I really lost myself. Yeah. And that was quite something. That was very interesting perspective. I think for me, my saving, the saving grace for me, I mean, to give you an idea, I remember I would just be driving around on my bike in Bali. And just out of nowhere, I would just feel like I wanted to burst out crying. Yes. And I had no idea. I was like, what is wrong with me? You know, I was like, what's going on here? Because I'm I'm self-aware enough to see what's going on. And I was like, what? I didn't know how to access it or process it. Yeah. But really for me, there's a couple things I can say on this. The first is I've made a commitment to this part. Mm-hmm. When I was 16 and I started philosophy and I started to question how I lived my life, my whole entire life became about self-actualization, about becoming the best possible version of myself that I can be. And so much of that journey is slowly unraveling all the Mm. bullshit that I accumulated in the first 16 years of my life, all the traumas. And I honestly think that I don't go the shortcut. I think I go the longest, most fucking annoying route, (laughs) if I'm honest with you. So it's constant. And so I've been through so many internal you know, rebirths and shifts. That's the first thing. This, so I signed up for this and I take full responsibility I signed up for this. And I know I could go and do something else. Even being an entrepreneur, an entrepreneur, the, one of the reasons why entrepreneurs so readily invest in themselves, whether it be coaching or some very specific niche coaching is because really the 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 business is a direct reflection of you. You know, as you evolve, your business evolves. This is the way it works. And so, you know, 
I've signed up on multiple levels to to constantly grow. And I, I actually couldn't have it any other way. I couldn't. I couldn't go and plug myself into the matrix and get a nine to five. Da, da, da. I just couldn't. So I've signed up for this. So I, for, the first thing is, is I take full responsibility for that. I've signed up for it. I wouldn't want it any other way. And personally for me, I've been on this journey long enough now to have the foresight and hindsight and experience, I should say, of knowing that I will get through this. And that I am supported. And I trust the fact that I am supported. Now, at different moments, at different versions of myself, I might turn to Krishna when I was in the Hare Krishnas. I might turn to the universe if I'm here. I might da-da-da-da-da. I might put a different spin, a different story on it. But essentially, I know I'm supported. I know there is some sort of higher power that I'm in alignment with. And I know I'll get through it. And I think that actually, with each dark night of the soul, and I just came out of, the, of a real fucker. Yeah. Yeah. If I'm honest, yep. excuse me for swearing. I love swearing. I came for a real bastard. Yeah. I I think now, after going through that, I've got a, a deeper armor of okay. Next time, because there will be a next time. Actually, I'm going to take this even more in my stride because I've just come out of that. Mm. So I think that I think that going through these rebirths, which are in in their own right traumatic potentially. Yes is is a prerequisite to becoming the best possible version of yourself and a prerequisite of becoming a warrior of light. If you're a warrior, man or woman, you know, the best warriors have bruises and scars from practicing being at war. You know, who would I rather stand by me in a fight? Two big bastards, one of them full of scars, the other one yeah. soft, smooth, well, you know, well moisturized skin. I want the guy that's been to battle, got fucked up and survived on my team. Yeah, that's right. I really, it's so powerful. And it's like, I really feel that we're deeply afraid of the best possible version of us. I think that most of us are, feel so disconnected from ourselves that when these moments come, I just also went through another dark night of the soul. And when these moments come, it's like, who am I? Who am I if I'm not attached to these certain things that I get a lot of praise for? Who am I if there's nobody there on the outside of me to love me? Who am I if fill in the blank? And I think a lot of people are afraid of being the most truest, fullest version. So I feel that there are those of us that are committed on this path or have chosen this path or are going to be on it no matter if our ego chooses it or not. But I feel that we're here to be teachers and guides for everyone in a way because mo and I really want to get your take on this. I don't want to generalize, but it feels like one way to live the human experience is to find things and people that like us as these old versions of ourselves so we can stay clean and unbruised and the same. And I, I see a lot of people creating lives like that, where I'm too afraid to go deeper into who I am or to change or to shift. And I'm going to create my environment with everything that keeps me the same and comfortable. And, and, but really what that is, is hiding, right. And putting on, I think a front. And so these rebirths for me, it's it feels like this force that is so powerful is ripping all of that away. So I have no choice but to look deeply at 
who I am and who I desire to become. So I would love to hear your take on that. Like this concept of taking the easy route versus choosing. Like how does one even choose to commit to this kind of level of growth, knowing that there's a lot to go through to get there? You know, one thing I to speak into was as you were talking about how people almost play plays keep themselves small by spending time with people that have already defined who they are and you know the first thing that came through my mind is you're so right you're so right and we all we all know this like i remember at university for example when people left school and went to university suddenly they could be somebody else because people at school weren't keeping them the same so we've all seen that yeah and i remember you know some people at university who were at school who weren't particularly popular suddenly thrive at university because they're allowed to become someone new yeah. And I think that that translates in all areas of our lives. And, you know, I think I just think there's so many things come through here, but I just think to myself, goodness me, actually, I'm so grateful to live in Bali. I almost think in a way I have an unfair advantage now that I live in Bali because it's such a transient place here. Yeah. You almost can't like, it's almost like it's actually, it's, it's a good and a bad thing. You know, one of the, the negative sides there is, you know, you make friends with people, then they leave, they go back to Germany or they go back to wherever. Right. So you're constantly, <laughs> which actually for your central nervous system, like around the time that my little dog died, my closest friends left. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good and a bad thing. The other, the other piece I like to speak into is just this idea of, you know, I think if you have, or when you have committed to the personal growth path, one of the most important decisions I feel that you can make to support that is who am I spending time with? Yeah. And should I limit the time I'm spending with certain people or completely shed certain people? And that can be quite a hard thing to do, actually. Yeah. It can be a very hard thing to do. And one, I, 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 there's a really great book called The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. He speaks into this idea and it gave me a really good reference point because I think very often we think to ourselves, it's either black and white. They're either in my life or they're out of my life. That's quite quite a challenge. Yeah. But actually what he says is, no, no, no. Actually, there's, there's no way to look at it. And what you can do is you have three-minute friends, three-hour friends, and three-day friends. Ah, yeah. So the three-minute friend is, you know, the security guard next to a house or, you know, whatever the, yeah. whoever serves you coffee in the morning, whatever it might be, your next neighbor. Have a nice three-minute chat. Three hours, someone you went to university with, have a good old catch-up. Three days, very selective, very, very rare. Somebody that up-levels you and you up-level them. Mm-hmm. It's all about love and we, you know, we're yeah. not, we're not, you know, we're there to support each other. And the question is, is are you spending three days with a three-minute person, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And that can be quite an interesting exercise to consider. And then obviously there are some people that you should remove from your life. And I think actually, I think maybe this is quite a kind of, I would actually go as far as saying that if you really want to take your personal growth seriously, you're, I would argue that one has to come to terms with the fact that you're going to be having to potentially move people from three day friends to three hour to three minute as you evolve and people don't evolve with you and i use the word evolve right Um, i don't mean that in a hierarchical sense i just mean as you shed skins and change you become somebody new and therefore your definitions of who should be in your inner ring should change as well i think that's probably one of the fastest things that you can do and, you know, it goes back to that idea of with the average of the five people you spend the most time with, the Hare Krishnas, for example, they, they had this concept of association. They say that if you're on the spiritual path, you need to associate with other people. And Prabhupada, the founder of the Hare Krishnas, he says, you take metal and put it ice in ice, it becomes ice. You put it in fire, it becomes fire. The human mind is exactly the same. If you spend time with multi-millionaires and they're the only people you spend time with, you're going to become really rich. Okay. If you spend time with people that are that are watching soap opera 
operas and eating junk food, you're going to be affected by that. And so I think that's something that's quite important. Again, I've danced around your question, which is how can people commit to this path? Honestly, I don't actually know how to give somebody an answer to that. And I'll explain why. When I worked with entrepreneurs for a very, very long time um, as a one-on-one life coach, and now I work with entrepreneurs, but more niche because they're all coaches, right? And if somebody were to come to me and they say, hey, I want to work together, but they were still in their corporate job and they haven't quit their job, I never found somebody that we were aligned because they hadn't made the leap yet. And so I don't think I'm meant to, number one, coach people that haven't made the leap, I think. But number two is, all I know is to live a life of leaping. So I can't actually give my own experience because Mm. from the earliest I've known, I've rebelled against it and not fitted into it. So I don't actually know how to advise somebody. Like I, I... I have something inside me and this is not me going, Hey, aren't I amazing? It causes me lots of suffering, but like, yeah, I can't not, I can't not. I, I don't, I don't know. It's almost like, I don't know how to, to, to give somebody drive or motivation. I can motivate somebody and da, 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 da. But, uh, you have to want it. Yeah. And so I think that you have to have that, that epiphany. And I think for me, that epiphany was, being kicked out of school, which was my home. I'd been there since the age of nine, living there. You know, that was my family. That was really quite something. And that, that trauma actually is what really was the catalyst, I think, for what still fuels me today. So I don't actually know how to inspire someone to commit to their journey. What I would say is just keep moving forward. That's all you can do. Just keep moving forward and be unattached. Mm. I'm telling you now, when I started my first business, I thought I was going to be a multimillionaire in two years. Yeah. I was fucking wrong. Yeah. But I think believing that I was gave me the motivation to keep moving through all the hardships. So that's what I have to say about that. I don't know. I love that. It's so powerful. And I think there is something to be said for this energy of commitment, right? And and what are we choosing to be committed to in general, right? So many people give up right before they're about to have a breakthrough or these dark nights of the soul can make people question life and, and want to be out. You know, it's like, it's too hard. It's too dark. It's too much. And there's what I've learned a lot through these rebirth periods is my mistakes were making meaning out of the wrong things. So creating meaning around what I didn't have, creating meaning around who I'm not and who I could never be. And I I have found throughout my own personal rebirth processes, the, the dark night of the soul came because my higher self pulled the rug out and was like, you don't like you and you need to start. And that was where a lot of my rebirths have come. It's like these further deepening the love I have for myself. And I know a lot of people talk about loving oneself and these words like sovereignty and detachment. But to live the human experience is to struggle with that because of the programming. We're taught that everything's outside of us and none of it's within. And this path is to learn that all of it's within, right? And so I would love for you to talk to me about how you have crawled your way out 
from some of those really dark, deep moments, remembering your inner power. And how do you teach other people to remember their inner power? I didn't even know how to answer that question. Thank you so much. How have I crawled out of those dark moments and remember my inner power? Thank you. That's a really good question. Yeah. It's a really, really good question. I mean, I've definitely lost it before. I've lost it. This summer, I lost it. I, 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 um, uh, okay, I do have an answer. And hopefully it's applied to somebody else. And it, I think for me, actually, the last time I went through like that real darkness, and again, I use the word darkness in a broad sense because it right. was dark, but, right. but from the outside, you may not have realized that I was going for something dark. Sometimes for most of us, yeah. right? isn't this external trauma where other people will easily empathize, which is why right. it leads to really deep internal darkness for people because yes. they don't know how to get yeah. people to understand, you know? For sure. Yeah. A hundred percent. I was just lost. I was just, I just lost. Like I was like, I'm not a coach. Like I feel like I was born to be a coach, but I was like, I put all that away. Like it was incredible. Same. Yeah. Okay. So, so actually th- this is the key is what I did in that is I started to isolate myself. Yeah. In that re- trauma response, I started to isolate myself. Yes. yes. And I have fucking eventually had an insight, which was, um, I went through a trauma. Actually, a friend of mine. And this is why actually everything, I was inspired to say something when I was listening to you. And actually, interestingly, it's all coming back down to this, which is the idea of having amazing people around you. And I, one of my friends I went for a coffee with, and he's always son, very, very busy. And I was kind of there in my little lost face. And he just gave me one little nugget. He goes, dude, you do realize you went through trauma. And I hadn't, it'd been um, six weeks and I hadn't clicked. So I was like, oh, suddenly I had permission to go through what I was going through. I was like, that makes sense. And then he said to me, one of the byproducts of going through trauma is isolating yourself. Yes. It took me about another three weeks to actually understand what was occurring. But the lesson that I learned from my past Dark Night of the Soul, should we say, was isolating myself makes everything worse. And so then what I did is, because I was quite lost, then what happened for me was I I switched it and I went back to, actually I went back to serving. I I was helping a friend of mine who does men's work Mm -hmm. and he helps men who have just gone for a breakup and they're in deep, deep, deep pain transform their lives and so i ended up speaking in about a week to about seven men who were going through this kind of pain and within a week i had completely transformed myself it was the remedy and the remedy was serving and i was talking to these men it was it was it wasn't it wasn't about me it was about them and in that i was connected to my highest power of service and love and literally Literally from Monday to Friday, I was a different person and never went back by virtue of serving. And so for me, the lessons that I found are the secrets to everything comes down to service. If you want to be a better salesperson, if you want to be a better marketer, if you want to have a better business, serve better. If you want to be a better friend, have better friends around you, serve them better. You know, serve yourself better at the same time. But really serves with hard work to serve. And so for me, that's what got me out of it. It's it's incredible. It took me three months to get there. But actually, I'm so glad that you asked this question because it's it's brought me back to it. That realization with it, which was actually don't for me personally, this is my medicine. 
don't isolate yourself <laughs> because that does not work for you. And number two, serve. So not only did I serve uh, these lovely men, but I also just booked in loads of coffee conversations with friends of mine. And it just, just being around people, it really got me out of it. And so that's how I found my power again. And I think fundamentally, if you are on this journey of self-actualization, you know, where does the word self-actualization comes from? It comes from Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So it starts off the hierarchy of needs, food, shelter, da -da 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 -da, whatever it might be, community, etc. The very top of the pyramid was a, the fifth stage called self-actualization, which is essentially to become the best possible version of yourself once you've got all your basic fundamentals in place, like food and shelter, etc. What not a lot of people know is that actually later on, he rewrote that essay and added a sixth stage. And the sixth stage was actually the higher version of self-actualization, which is this, this uh, thing called transcendence. Yeah. And what that is, is helping other people self-actualize. Wow. So actually at the top is serving. That is the top of the pyramid of our hierarchy of needs so we can be in our, our ultimate service. So fundamentally, if you are on this pathway of self-actualization, well, the next step is serving. So we may as well start aiming for that right now and just start serving other people, because that's where, for me, in my experience, that's how we were wired to flourish, is to serve. Mm. It's that simple. And so I think coming back down to the fact that you are a servant of love is going to be the remedy probably for 99.9% of cases, especially when you're lost. Mic drop. That is absolutely it. It's really that simple, but we overcomplicate it as humans because the mind is a mixing bowl of trauma, past, the past, worrying about the future, and struggling to trust in life. And I feel that a lot of this journey of rebirth is about being able to look back and connect the dots to how we get to these moments. And for me, you know, I'm totally with you on isolation. It is really bad for us. We're not built to be in isolation in general. And I think on this path, it can get really muddied with why we're going through these pro these phases to begin with. You know, the spiritual path is not linear. It's cyclical. And everyone has a unique spiritual path within the overarching spiritual process, if you will, if you can even call it a process. And I think a lot of people are looking for these steps and there isn't a step, you know, and a lot of us are grieving things that we've never allowed ourselves to grieve, whether it's things that happened, people that left versions of us, things we thought we would become that we haven't yet. Right. And yet when in these, in these dark nights of the soul, when I look back and can, and can actually connect the dots, it helps me see that there will be more dots. Like, I will go somewhere from here, you know? But I love that you talked about how you found your power through serving. And where I want to go next with this is faith and this concept of faith. I just went through the most intense dark night of the soul I've probably had thus far over the last few months. And I also somehow called in the highest paying client I've ever had. And I don't know, you know, in the manifesting world, they would say, you're not a vibrational match for that. But somehow I am, even though I was living in a lot of dark emotions, which of course, 
we're not permitted to have in our culture, right? We have no problem with bliss and ecstasy and happiness and joy. But when we're in despair and sadness and anger, there's really something wrong with us, which, which, which is what leads us to isolation. But I'm trying to, and I'm, I'm speaking this to you because it's like, I'm trying to understand how that could have happened. How could those two things happen? And the only thing that I could ever come back to is my faith in the divine, in God, in my higher self, in guides and angels and whatever we want to call it, which I know gets messy for people, but people ask me all the time, how do you take, because I'm like you, I take leaps of faith all the time. And I don't call it leaping into the unknown. I call it leaping into the field of infinite possibilities. And I think a lot of us are afraid of what's possible, right? But here I am going through a dark night of the soul and my highest paying client comes in. How do I explain that to people, right? And so I would love for you to talk about your thought process on faith, how you approach faith or whatever you want to call it, how you trust in anything, how you trust in the universe, right? Having trust in general and also your perspective on what one might call miracles or magic in life. You ask some incredible questions. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you so much, because this is, I feel challenged, which is wonderful. Thank you. This is great. Very stimulating. Mm. You know, some of this is coming through for me, and I think I'll probably, it will transition into your answer to your question, is one thing that I've observed, which I think is very important, is this idea of being a servant or serving your ego. And Ooh. I think, you know, and I think you're serving to God or serving your ego. And, and one of the things that I see, I'm so grateful that I found the Hare Krishna path, I can't tell you. Not because I think that the Hare Krishna have all the answers necessarily. I think they have serious codes and they probably have the source code, actually, of spirituality, but it's just packaged in their own way, right? And I think that all religions have the source code. And the Hare Krishna say this as well, and they're packaged in their own way, but then it gets distorted and bastardized by, essentially, people serving their ego, not serving God. That's essentially what happens, right? That's exactly and right. so I feel very... Yeah. So I just feel very grateful that that was a, a very foundational part of my spirituality. Sure, Catholicism was, but really as, as a sovereign adult, I chose the higher Krishnas, went on that journey for five years, and now I'm kind of like navigating. But that's still my spiritual shelter. I think the first thing is really, really important because very often when we're on this path, what are we doing? We are, typically speaking, we look what other people do and we try and copy them. If you're a coach, you have a look at other coaches, you go, oh, every other coach is making Instagram reels where they're doing dances and all this kind of stuff on their own Instagram and they're projecting this amazing version of themselves. That's what I should do. Actually, I teach coaches how to become fully booked without using social media or paid ads. So actually, sometimes following the crowd isn't the right way. So that's the first thing. The other thing is, is I think actually my observations are, especially a lot of new age spirituality, it's actually very ego driven. Oh. It's about what can I have? 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 Oh, yeah. and, it's, and it's completely, in my opinion, fuck the whole thing. It's completely mis misunderstood. You know, it's very ego-driven. The first realization of spirituality is that I am not this body. You know, I'm a spirit soul. Mm -hmm. And and this ego is actually the thing that's getting in the way of that. And and I think that there's so much, like, oh, I want to have this. I want to have that. I want to have that. Was actually, I think I want to have all of these things so that I can serve better. That's suddenly when you've got the universe on your side. That's when you've really got it. That's when you're, when you're playing and co-creating. That's you right. co-create when it's not selfish. You co-create when you are actually co-creating, right? For everybody. So I just wanted to speak into that idea. Yeah. I mean, just 
I think there's so many fake gurus out there and so many lost people. Like I, I mean, okay, so I live in Bali, so I have a window into the Bali. There's a place called a bird in Bali, which is kind of like the new age spiritual, one of the newest spiritual centers of the world. And there's some wonderfully lost human beings there. You go there for a cup of coffee and you just have these amazing conversations. And at the same time, there's so much spiritual bypassing. It's outrageous. And therefore the knock-on effect of that is quite toxic actually. So I think the first thing is if somebody's listening to this and they want to have in my opinion some sort of framework from which to navigate reality number one ask yourself this question is the person that i'm following here or getting advice from actually serving serving selfishly or are they serving their ego and the second thing is when you're in this dark night of the soul ask yourself am i really upset because really i just i want i i, I it's all about me the remedy for everything is to remember that you are here to be a servant of God. Now, the wonderful thing is when you, in my opinion, probably when you serve God, have a look, you know, when you serve God, God will give you all the wonderful things that you need in order to, 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 to serve him powerfully. So actually that's the trick. Just remember you're a servant and get on with it. And I think that's the remedy. Come back to this idea of faith. How do I believe in faith? I mean, there's probably many ways I can ask this. How do I come back to faith and trust? Yeah. I think the first thing is, is, is again, I've been through quite a handful of things and known that I've always come at the other end. So I do trust it. And, you know, when I, you know, the, I, I have experienced miracles all the time. I see magic all the time. It's incredible. And, you know, one can, the thing is, you can tell yourself a story is magic or you can tell yourself a story is it's a coincidence. And I think that you're doing yourself a disservice if you tell yourself a story is a coincidence, because I'd rather hardwire my brain to believe that I live in a world of magic, even if actually it's all bullshit, because it's a much more effective way of living one's life. And so, you know, for example, when I was really into the Hare Krishnas, my, my mentor said to me, start noticing and keeping a diary of all the Krishna miracles oh. that occur. Right. And and it was amazing. Like the amount of Krishna miracles that happened in my life, I cannot tell you. I'm just, just wow. And so you see them, you know, oh wow. I mean, I could I could do half an hour of just talking about that. And so for me, just 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 acknowledging and writing these down, these when these miracles do happen in your life, little things like I remember when my when my my little dog died. That night, which was a big deal for me, she was, we had a deep spiritual connection. She was my daughter, essentially. Like It, it sounds silly, but she was. Oh, and that night, I woke up to a very alien sound, mm. very bizarre, which I'd never heard before. Mm. And I intuitively, this has never happened to me before or since. And I woke up, I turned my phone on, I just put a light on into the rafters in my house, just intuitively. And there was a python in the rafters. I have never seen a python, ever in my house ever. And there was a python up there in the rafters looking down on my bed. Oh my and God. For me, yeah. yes. And and for me, serpents are oh, symbolic yeah. of oh. shifting timelines to me. And for me, I just looked at that and I just knew. I knew, I knew I that, that was just a sign that something is shifting my reality. I just knew it. And so there are these signs everywhere. There are these signs absolutely everywhere. And that's what gives me faith. And choosing to see them and acknowledge them means that you choose to see them and acknowledge them more. You know, there's a wonderful book called The Alchemist, which I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of before by whatever he's called, Pablo, whatever. And one of the things I remember in that book, he says, start to notice the signs on mm -hmm. your journey. And the more signs you see and acknowledge, you're, it's almost like you're walking down here, there's a sign here. You're like, oh, like 
slightly to the left of people listening to this. So you position yourself slightly to the left. Yeah. And then suddenly, because you position yourself slightly to the left to see that sign, suddenly two signs come along and then three signs. You see more and more and more and more. And I think that's the way. And I think that just noticing that actually there is an intelligence, there is a magic there, you know, that is occurring and just acknowledging it helps increase one's faith. And at the same time, we're all human beings and we forget it and we lose it. And we, and, you know, we serve our ego all the time. Oh, my dear Lord, when I have a look at my goals, half of them are to serve, half of them are because of ego. I'm deeply flawed. And then the, the last piece I'd say on this as well is, for me, I'm so grateful because I think that it can be very, very... I don't know many really powerful, really truly humble servants of God in the New Age community. It doesn't mean they're not there. But from my experience, it's very much New Age. Hey, isn't this amazing? Actually, there is reincarnation. There is magic, da, da, da. And then, boom, ego. I'm a fucking guru. I mean, like, you know, I'm a healer. Da, da, da. All these kind of, these kind of like self-entitled labels. I don't see this very humbling. One thing that I am so grateful that I learned from the Hare Krishna community is what it actually means to be humble, what it actually means to be a servant. Because I thought that I knew. Sure. I really thought that I knew. And I remember talking to one of my Hare Krishna monk friends once and go, do you know what? I think I've got this. I think like I'm, I'm starting to get this. I think I'm starting to get this. And he turned to me and goes, do you know what? I think you are. I think you are. I still have a really long way. And this guy has dedicated his whole life to being a monk. He is... And I was like, humble. <laughs> and then you see, you see somebody like Radhanahav Swami. Wow. You see this guy? You know, they had this mantra. You know, somebody said to the founder of Prabhupada once in the 60s when he was famous as hell. And they go, are you the guru of the world, Prabhupada? And he said, no, I am the servant of the world. <laughs> and he says, and he says, you know, you, there's this, this famous saying in the Hare Krishnas, which is, you should be more tolerant than a tree and more humble than a blade of grass. Mm. And Prabhupada said, I am the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant of the servant. The ego is what is that false ego is the thing that's going to come in and screw everything up. And so I really, truly believe that actually the remedy for so much faith, inspiration, motivation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, getting out of the dark of the soul is to remember Actually, I am a servant. I am just here for 80 years, whatever it might be. And I've probably been going to come reincarnating again and 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 again. The way out is to stop serving Maya, to stop serving the illusion, the illusion that you of your false ego, the illusion of the material world, and to instead serve God, love, the universe, however you want to label it. You know, our actions are what keep us here. When we serve the illusion, we keep coming back. When we serve God, we start to liberate ourselves. It could take lifetimes. And we start to purify ourselves. That's what I have to say about it. It's so, it's so beautiful. Oh, and I'm such a work in progress. I say that so confidently. Wow. Dear, oh dear, I'm lost. I'm a lost man. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so true. And I think that one of the pieces that people struggle with when we talk about a lot of these words, because sometimes they cancel each other out, right? It's like people here are humble, but then how do I become empowered? And I personally am trying to get to this place. I use trying as like an ongoing process of how do I stay centered no matter what is going on around me? Because there's always going to be dark and light, chaos. And then sometimes it's just flow, right? But how do I not let myself get like let all these external things take me out of my center. And I think 
most people that are on more of the deeper path that you're talking about, like a monk, for example, is they're so centered and calm. They've cultivated practices to be able to stay calm amidst any chaos around them. And I would argue that's empowerment, right? Empowerment isn't, and sovereignty in these words, they're not, it's wholeness, right, within, because we we know that we're a fractal of the divine source as a soul. But it's also, you know, understanding that there's always going to be things outside of us that are happening that could take us off of our path, take us off of our center. And the dark nights often are a culmination of letting that happen far too many times, I think. And for me, I feel that I'm, I continue to try to learn and understand what does it really mean to be empowered in one's life and believing one is a co-creator and honoring our desires while also knowing that just because we think we desire something doesn't mean it's actually something that's in our heart. It could be of the ego. There's a lot of illusions about desire, right? Because if we give in to every time we have a desire, it can lead us down a very dark path. But I love this word desire because I do think desire versus want is more connected to the heart. And when we really truly desire something, even amidst thinking, like when we can strip away what people will think of us if we have that thing or what we'll think of ourselves and we still desire it, that's how we know it's more connected to our heart. But one of the things I'm becoming more obsessed with is this phrase like living a heart-centered life, which I think is deeply connected to what you're saying about serve, serving, right? But I also think a lot of people can't even get there because they don't feel empowered in who they are. They don't trust in their in anything. They don't trust in anything outside of them. They don't believe in miracles. They don't see the magic, to, our, to your point. And they feel very disconnected from who they are and their own wholeness. And I would love for you to talk about like, for example, as you coach coaches who own their own business and as you own your own business, or as you navigate personal relationships in your life, like how do you not make that be the meaning of your life? How do you still, if all of that was stripped away, who would you be? I feel like that's what's happening in the spiritual space. To your point, people are talking about manifesting and co-creating, but they're really at the end of the day saying, if I don't have these things that I'm a failure, if these things don't come in, something must be wrong with me. I need to further work on myself. Not everything is going to happen in the way that we desire it to. And that is just part of planet earth, like earth school, you know, there's polarity here. And there's lessons that our soul wants to learn. And, you know, I just feel that I would love for you to talk about like how people can be empowered, but still be centered in their heart versus feeling like, you know, human, like the old way, like the old religion, the religious indoctrination says like, don't be empowered, like be humble and be on your knees and be grateful for just being alive, which we know was used to control people and take them away from their power, you know? So Marianne Williamson has has said in many of her books, who I, I love her, and she's been someone that's really helped me because I love praying, but I know as as in religious indoctrination, it's like people struggle with having a relationship with prayer. I think prayer can be about ma manifesting. It can be about just talking to the divine universe, whatever. But she says, like I've always said since I was young, we have the power of God within us. I mean, if we actually believed that, we would live in a different world. 
But we don't believe that. Everyone believes that we're victims of something and everybody has it better than us. So I just would love to hear your perspective on self-empowerment along this journey while still being able to serve and be heart-centered, but also trust that what is happening in one's life is at some level meant to be what's happening. Thank you. The one thing that I keep coming back to when I listen to you is if we do it alone, we're probably going to fail. And I think that's the secret. You know, I remember, here's a Christian miracle for you. So my mentor, my spiritual mentor came to visit me in Bali when I first moved here randomly. We didn't even really know each other. He just kind of, he came over. Oh. That day, I mean, really this guy, this, you know, he's just amazing. The day he arrived, we were driving around. And I said, I'm just going to let my intuition just, just guide where we go. We end up going to this like temple, this kind of like Balinese temple, right? And we go there, we're walking around. And my mentor goes, oh my God, that is Swami, da 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 Basically, some serious big dog swami from the Hare Krishna community would just happen to be at that temple, right? In the middle of Bali, randomly. We go and talk to this guy, and he goes, yeah, I haven't been here for 30 years. We decided to come here randomly. So I'm like, okay, this is meant to happen. I hear my Hare Krishna mentor meet this guy, right? And then he goes, oh, I'm giving a talk in three days. You should come. So we're like, amazing. And then so we went to this temple in Hare Krishna Temple, and then we had this amazing time. It was just so much fun. It was like all these serendipitous things, these miracles that occurred. Right. I'll never forget what he said. He's, he gave a, t- a talk and he said, Bhakti is in the heart of the devotee. So Bhakti, the Hakrishas are Bhakti yogis. And essentially, Bhakti is like love. Should we, let's just call it, let's call it that thing that we are looking for fundamentally yeah. that's going to make us pure. This, this, this being connection with this divine love and serving it and be, and receiving and reserving this wonderful. He said, that energy that we are looking for is actually found in the heart of your associations are also in the same mission as you. And it's when you come together that you're able to really harness it together because you are, you are, you know, you're doing it together. And I think that's so important. You know, I really think that actually it's the reason why when I was in that, that, that serving mode that got me out, that's what put me in my power was when I was serving because, because it's about connecting with other people in the energy and the intention of being connected to that frequency and that vibration of love. And so I, I really think the most important thing is to stop trying to do things alone and, yeah. and to create, like, I really think that the fastest way to happiness, success, and anything is to spend more and more time with people who are very, very purely trying to get with the same thing that you want to get and stop trying to do it alone. And, you know, it's, it's the inverse to, the, you know, the age old strategy, divide and conquer. And that's exactly what's happening right now. The darker forces, the greedy forces in the world are dividing and conquering. The reality is, is this. The day, I remember one of my, my, my friends once said to me, you know, if we were to all, every single last human being decide one day not to go into work, they're fucked. 100%. You know, it's like, you know, so, so the power is here. And I believe we are at war. And I think some people say to me, like, don't look at it like war. But I, no, no, I choose to. I choose to be at war and realize I'm at war because then, then I take it a little bit more seriously. There is a war going on right, right now. And the only way we're going to win that war is to do it together. And it's hard enough to deal with your own stuff by yourself and to get power by yourself. So the way I see it, actively seek out. And this is, this is advice to myself as well, I think, here for sure, because I have not mastered this. Actively seek, especially because where I live is so transient, actually actively seek out a solid community and tribe of other people that are on the same mission as you in a pure way 
And that's where your power is going to be generated from. Mm. Don't try and generate it from yourself. Yes. No. Yes. No, 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 no. And that is the new age. That is the new order. It's not about hate. It's about oneness coming together. That is next level. And I feel that that's really where we're heading, but we're in this weird transitional time where there's a lot of us that are here that incarnated during this time, old souls, souls that were ready for this. And people are not sure what's really happening, but that is what's happening. In this time, I think the last few years and the next decade, it's going to be this transition. We're, we're going to continue to be evolving to what does it look like to have oneness on a planet that has duality, right? In a, and and I heard someone recently say, you know, this this really great you know spiritual teacher who I've always loved, and she said um, it was you know when you listen to something and it like hits you and it's almost like it could be in the middle of what someone's saying and you it just hits you. It, that I consider a miracle. She said you are not you know your body or your mind. You are the consciousness that is observing your body and mind. And I thought, damn. I have never thought of it that way because when I was going through this dark time, I was having all these really intense emotions and I was over identifying as you've talked about with these emotions. And what does that mean about me? And then I must be, and she was like, what if you just look at you're the consciousness, the soul, the soul is the consciousness that's observing your body going through these things. You're your human experience, having different experiences that are good and bad or traumatic or not, or I want to really start to play with that because I'm, I'm tired of getting lost in the sauce of like the ego and the emotions and the, you know, cause I'm somebody who's a deep feeler. I'm a deep thinker. I feel, I feel other people's emotions. You know, I have a strong intuition and it's hard to live with that, you know? So I'm trying to play with this idea of like, I am the consciousness. My soul is observing this experience that I've with my free will chosen to have in this lifetime. But that leads me into my last question and area I want to explore with you, which is this concept of like sacred union, conscious relationships, right? We can talk about it through the context of anything, whether it's, you know, friendship, business, but I really think a lot of what's happening on the earth is a redefining of like what one might call these romantic relationships, right? We've seen this year in 2022, a lot of people coming together that were meant that, to build these conscious relationships and a lot of people breaking up. And because I think there's back to the ego, the ego is sur- in relationships, especially romantic with our culture and all the programming about what that means if we have it or don't have it. There's a lot that people that are on the spiritual path are going through to try to reinvent a new way, recreate a new way of having, of relating with another while not getting lost in another, right? And not losing one's value in another while still living and loving and co-creating with another. And as a man, you know, I have a lot of women that listen and a lot of women are talking about, and there are so many men too, about how to really create a conscious relationship, right? And I know so much, so much of the conversation in this space is first to start with oneself, right? And you will call in that kind of conscious relationship. But what's your perspective on how these one-on-one, like this concept of sacred union and like creating a conscious relationship with another? How do you think about that? Especially with where we're going now in our culture. I think it's a fucking hard one. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, and I'm so no, no expert. I, I was single for about three years and now I'm in a relationship now for about six months or so. And so it's really interesting for me to to see the the contrast between being single, being in a relationship again and just noticing 
how relationships bring up patterns and yeah. you know, it, 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 we're, we're in this minefield because unless two people are perfect right then you've got all these kind of obstacles to overcome relationships they bring up so much they bring up so much you know one part of me thinks maybe maybe the best way to get ready for a conscious relationship is to have as many possible relationships as you can sure. because so much is going to come up i didn't used to think that now i'm like maybe yeah there's so much going to come up to navigate i mean it, 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 there's so many ways that one can approach this there's traumas that get in the way there's limited beliefs that get in the way there's attachment styles that get in the way there's yeah. values understanding your values understanding their values that get in the way there's communication things that get in the way how do i communicate without arguing da, da. There's so much personal growth to occur inside a relationship, which is the reason why most people most people don't get it right. It's most marriages fail, right? So I think actually relationships and navigating a proper, healthy, conscious relationship is one of the biggest, biggest challenges that most people face in a relationship, number one. And number two, one of the biggest areas to grow. And I have not nailed it. I have some certain theories on it, but I am not living it right now for sure. But I, in a relationship, I have a taste of it. And also because I'm a man, it's different, I think. Because for me, I have a mission. And and really, as, as blunt as it might sound, if somebody is, is slowing me down on my mission, they have to go. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And that has been something that I've navigated in my own relationship. You know, currently now, just observing how actually energetically speaking, it takes me away from building. I, I've got enough on my plate to build the empire that I am building. I will die working probably you know because because i have so much to build here and i've got to face all my own insecurities limiting beliefs that are keeping me small plus i have to upgrade all my skills in certain areas which is it's never going to end so if somebody cannot come with me on that journey then it just won't work and I'm observing that in my own, that's one of the biggest things that are challenges I'm facing in my own relationship now is seeing how, and I don't blame her, I take full responsibility, how I choose to make decisions that are taking away from me being all in by virtue of the way that I choose up in this particular show up in this particular relationship. Right. And then all the stuff, the people pleaser in me, they're not having yes. my boundaries set up and da-da. So I have not got it sussed at all at all and then i have attachments i thought about maybe we should complete and then i love her so much and oh my dear lord yes it's yes. a hard one it it's so hard it's yes. so hard my goodness and how many examples are there for us to have how many examples do we have for this i you know my <laughs> i didn't have a great example right. my dad's been married three times you know um and my my father basically had a nervous breakdown when my fa- my mother did when my father left so like Give this me, I haven't got, I mean, fuck, man. Dear of it, it's a big one. Your question, what was your question? Because I could, you know, that's how I'll set the scene. What was your question? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I so appreciate your honesty because very, people are talking about creating these conscious relationships, but nobody's talking about how difficult that really is in our culture and with the programming. So what I I really want to get your take on is like how you see First of all, how we could potentially create that, because I think that's what our generation and the generations coming in are here to do, to invent a whole different way of relating on that level, right? But when you say like having a mission, I agree with you because I have a mission too. And I really believe that the divine, the universe brings us someone 
that actually is a co-creator on that mission that will support that mission and we support their mission. And sometimes the missions are shared, right? But we're not just here to like have a relationship, have kids and like, that's it. That's the success, you know? And I just feel that building a conscious relationship means that we're completely invested in our growth and another's. And we're willing to go through all the difficult aspects of that process because a lot of people are picking, they're choosing partners for the wrong reasons. And I would just love to hear your take on like how you even think about what the evolution of what seems to be happening with relationships in general during this time. I'm not sure what the evolution is that's occurring now. I think I think people are mental health is becoming uh, more and more widespread. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's, you know, when people talk about this, this, this idea of raising the consciousness of the planet, the way I see the vehicle that I see that occurring through is the revolutions that are happening to mental health, psychiatry, therapy, coaching. You know, how evolved is a society and a culture really that still sees mental health as a taboo subject when everything that you filter your reality through comes through the mind? So actually, we are we are in our infancy of this broader topic. And I think one of the conversations that's occurring more and more and more is like, okay, how can I have a conscious relationship? What does it mean? We're never, like, when are you ever taught how to, one of my clients now, we're building a program for her and she's a, she's a marriage expert. And uh, we're building a training for her at the moment so she can help uh, couples. Uh, The tagline we came up was help couples create a lifetime of love and look at all these different elements. And, you know, when are we ever taught conscious communication? When are we ever taught this? How we, when are we ever taught nonviolent communication? When are we ever taught about our values? When are we ever taught, unless you go and seek it out yourself, I'm, I'm kind of going through the program, uh, the program, you know, when are we ever taught things like looking at inner child and the traumas that we were, that we went through and how those traumas that we went through in our, with our parents, school teachers, whatever it might be, affect every relationship that we're in. So the reality is that there's so much cleaning up yeah. <laughs> and healing that that needs to occur and then there's things like i remember i was really into somebody about a year and a half ago and and it was wonderful for me to experience how almost obsessively i was thinking about this woman yeah. and it was incredible and then seeing what is it what is it is it yeah. is it this thing inside me that needs to be validated by her because she's the, this goddess that's probably what it is and then this other part of me is like oh my god you know she'd be such an amazing status symbol to have my arm all these things I've looked at it myself and seen. So the reality, and they still occur. You can't hide from them. They're deep. Yes. So I think this this is this is massive. It's yeah. a massive topic. It's very, very early and it requires so much. And so I think for me, really fundamentally, when it comes to selecting the right partner, and I am saying this from somebody that probably hasn't selected the right partner, actually, probably. You know, I I wonder whether you can actually select the right partner. You know, at least we have a lot of work to do, should we say, her and I, and we're so in love. Yeah. You know, it's it's you know, it's it's a really it's hard. Yeah. My experience of it, it is hard because there's so much. It's like relationships bring up everything that you weren't looking at yes. and more. Yes. And then, and then you have to share stuff. Right. So I think, fu- I mean, fuck. I think fundamentally, for me, you know, I think this idea of having this, this something at the center. You know, the Hare Krishnas, and, and I would, I 
often turn back to their wisdom because they're far more wiser than I am because it's coming from God, right? Is it's this idea of really you want to have Krishna, you want to have love, you want to have serving God, serving the universe at the center of your relationship. If you have that as the center of your relationship, that's your compromise for everything. You know, that's your unification for everything. And so I think fundamentally for me, something that I feel that I require in a partner is somebody that is committed to that in their own way. It could be committed to serving unconditional love by virtue of raising children that are going to be warriors of that. That's cool with me. It could be supporting me on my mission. It could be literally be my business partner. One part of me fantasizes about sharing my business with the right person and going all in on that mission. I don't know, but I think that has to be the source of it because that's what cuts through the illusion of this world, the illusion of our ego, the illusion of our desires. That is the spiritual sword that we all have to cut through the entanglement of the material world. And so that must be there, I think, as a starting point. And then, you know, that unconditional love. And then (laughs) let the games begin. (laughs) (laughs) I've always said that, you know, my prayer is that I come together with someone that I desire to go through the seasons of life with. Like the second I have a rebirth, oh, they got to go. I'm a big believer that when people don't serve us anymore, we don't serve them. We must go our own ways, hopefully with love. But I also think everyone wants like everything to be so easy in relationships. And the second it's hard, they're out. And then that same problem is going to happen with the next person. And I just think what is that, what, what hopefully is happening with this, the, the evolution of the planet and the raising of the consciousness on earth is that we're not constantly looking for new to escape these deeper demons we have, whether it's from childhood trauma or limiting beliefs or attachment styles. It's like we actually find the person that we're willing to go there with, right? That's what it is to have a conscious relationship, to actually bring consciousness to it versus having someone else there just to say we're not alone right that's what i really that's where i really think we're going in this like that's where empowerment and sovereignty is all playing a role in us not needing to have someone just to have them but to actually bring purpose to each other's lives i just think that we're all learning how to not run away all the time when things come up mm-hmm. with other people and this happens too in friendships in business collaborations family right this is like across the board but obviously romantic relationships we know bring up every trigger we'll ever have you know so it's just the next that next level of intimacy right and that's where i would love to to end it and i i would just love to have you share if if there was anything you could say to someone listening who is going through a hard time right now in their life, what would you offer to them in this moment? Somebody's going through a hard time in their life. I think it would depend on the circumstance of the individual. So I'll give you the, 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 the broadest answer I possibly can, which is my medicine. And hopefully this will be medicine for you, is one way that you can transmute the, the suffering that you feel is to serve someone you love from the bottom of your heart and that could be as simple as preparing the most beautiful delicious meal for someone with all of your care and attention to giving somebody a a free coaching session 
to who knows what. But I feel that it is in the act of serving with the, not from the ego, but from a place of purity and love that we tap into the most beautiful vibration we possibly can. And that vibration, even if it's just for a moment, will take you out of the despair that you may be feeling and offer you some some respite. Beautiful, Will. Oh, thank you so much for this conversation. I Everything that we shared, everything that you spoke about, I know is going to hit people deeply. And that's that was my goal of this conversation. And we are, I'm not here to give people a formula for healing. I'm here to speak openly and talk with people like you that are willing to go and speak openly about their own journey. So I thank you from bottom of my heart for how you are choosing to live your life and for all those that you are serving. And I'm so excited to continue supporting you and watching your mission unfold and grow. And I know you're going to continue to reach thousands of people and help them. So thank you for the work that you do and the person that you are, truly. My goodness, thank you so much. I feel undeserving of your lovely words. I appreciate you. Thank you for such stimulating questions. Thank you for the honor of, of getting inside this conversation with you. And thank you for what you're doing in the world. It's wonderful. And we're still getting to know each other. Yeah. And uh, the, the, each time I speak to you, the more wonderful I see you. And so I'm so happy that we are friends. And I'm sending you so much love. Yes. And um, well, stay in I, touch, you wonderful yes, human. You too. And I would love for you, before we jump off, to let people know how they can connect with you and how they could work with you and anything else that you want to let people know about how they can follow along with your journey. Thank you so much. I'm kind of hidden from the world at the moment. Um, <laughs> but if you would like to to engage with me, I won't be at some point in the future, but if you'd like to engage with me, you're very welcome to. It's William underscore underscore Griffin at, Instagra- at Instagram. So William underscore underscore Griffin. Yep. There's a lot of William Griffiths out there, so I had to get a double underscore. Yes. Um, so you're very welcome <laughs> to get me on there. For 99.9999% of the people that I work with now are coaches. Um, it's very much business coaching that I'm doing now with coaches. I help coaches become fully booked fast without having to use social media or paid ads. So if you're a coach and you'd like to become fully booked, excuse me, if you are a brilliant coach who was born to be a coach and you know it, and you are struggling with the business side of business, please get in touch. Uh, we have some codes uh, that hopefully will serve you on your mission. Apart from that, sending everybody so much love and sending you much so much love. And thank you so much for the pleasure of getting me on here and wishing you a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank Evening, you. I should say. Thank you, Will. Appreciate you. See you soon. With my deepest gratitude, thank you for listening today. Thank you for being here with me and the incredible souls that I'm honored to have these expansive conversations with. I pray you remember your divinity. I pray you know that you're here for a big mission. I pray you realize your gifts are a gift to this world and that you just being you is enough. I pray you know you are worthy of everything you deeply desire and that the higher realms and the magical, mystical forces all around you are guiding you. Allow them to. Trust yourself. You have a spark of the divine in you. Act accordingly.